0: Before we get into today's episode, ESPN's Amir award-winning 30 for 30 documentary film series presents the greatest mixtape ever. The story of how a series of streetball videos set to music in the 90s transformed basketball's place in the culture, define the lives of the players who start in them, and change the game itself forever. Starting June 1st, stream on ESPN+. Plus. And listen to the companion 30 for 30 podcast, a streetball mixtape. Exploring the essence of streetball through a collection of legendary stories. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, on the Woj Pod, you get the inside scoop on all the biggest NBA news as the biggest names in the game as they join Adrian Wojnarowski. In-depth conversations, breaking news, reactions and analysis, and coverage of the biggest events on the NBA calendar. That's the Woj Pod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. A brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy Ryan Clark out in New York City for the Breakfast Club, doing the pivot again. That's my guy, Ryan. How you doing, brother?
1: Man, I'm doing good, brother. How was your trip over that way, bro?
0: 17 hours. It was a nightmare, bro. Don't matter how comfortable you are on the plane, <laughs> 17 hours is absolutely ridiculous. I'm exhausted, but duty calls, and we got a show to do. We missed last week. I missed doing the show. So we're back at it, and guys, coming up on the show, we got to talk about last weekend. You know, Jarzino Rosenstrike Volkov mm-hmm. situation. Then we preview preview UFC 275 uh, this weekend. And Ryan, when you start thinking of Valentina Shevchenko and her returning, yeah. you think a dominant champion. So we're gonna rank our five most dominant champions in UFC history, and then we always got to tap in and tap out. But Ryan, when you look back to last weekend, right, and and Strike gets stopped. In the first round, in the way that he did, it once again points to a bit of an uncertainty that's going on in fighting right now from the officials all the way to the judges. It seems like the game is a little out of whack right now.
1: Well, I think the the thing is, DC, we are trying to get to a point as UFC continues and as MMA or mixed martial arts continues to become such a well-respected sport. I think they're trying to take away some of the, the human cockfighting as Dana White told me it used to be when, when, I, when I talked to him uh, You know, when we did the pivot. And so I think they're trying to make it safer. But in this situation, you, you have a fighter who is obviously stunned and Herb Dean is in there and he's closer to the action than we are. But I'm used to seeing a fighter give an opportunity or have an opportunity to get himself composed to, to grab a leg to, to attempt a takedown to try to ball up in some way and protect themselves and I don't feel like Rosenstrike was given that opportunity was he was he dazed and, and, and was he phased and was he fading out of the fight absolutely but one thing about the UFC one thing about mixed martial arts is we've seen great comebacks with guys having been in trouble we've seen guys mm-hmm. been, that have been in trouble and got the knockout in the exact same round they were in trouble. In. And so for me, if Rosa Strike was going to go to the ground, if he was going to try to protect himself, if he was continuing to take ground and pound or take strikes while he was on the mat, I think that's one thing. But I also think he should have been given the opportunity to fight himself or fight his way out of that situation he was in against Alexander Volkov.
0: You know, the craziest thing is that Herb Dean's the best in the business. Mm -hmm. He is the absolute best in the business. And there are a lot of instances in which Herb makes mistakes because there are mistakes to be made in fighting. And when I looked at the fight, I thought immediately that was quick, right? Because it seemed as though Biggie Boy was turning to kind of run away Mm -hmm. to try to find some space to recover. But you got to remember, there are some fights back in the day, even all the way back to Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin. Shane Carwin destroyed Brock in the first round. Brock came back and submitted him in the second round. And that's just one that pops off the top of my head. But when you watch watch the fight happening and you watch finishes happen, you kind of think that at times the officials will see who's fighting. Because as a fighter myself, the one time that I was getting uh, finished by Jones in Anaheim, they gave me ample opportunities to get back up. I just didn't have it in me to get back up. But the reality is I had time. So he took some damage on the way down there, but I would not have preferred it to happen any other way. So I can understand the frustrations of Rosenstrike, but he was hurt, man. He was hurt very bad. He got stunned. His body reacted in a weird way, and then he started to get hit with some follow-up shots, and you could see Herb kind of trying to maneuver his way into position to whether stop or not, and ultimately he stopped the fight, and it, it leads to disappointment on one hand, But on the other hand, man, you got to give credit to Alexander Volkov because for a guy that has struggled at times, he comes back out there and he gets a win over a guy in Jarzinho Rosenstrike that many people thought that he would have trouble with. And if you look up at the screen here, you see the first statement that Rosenstrike made after the fight, obviously disappointed, but it won't change anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing for me, D.C., you can tell after Herb Dean makes the stoppage or stops the fight. It seems like Biggie boy actually kind of came too and you know I was watching as I was watching uh, the broadcast you know you said yeah he was definitely out he was definitely dazed even when he walked away I think it was John even when he walked away you could see that he wasn't necessarily in his right mind or didn't have his wits about him but it did seem that he was immediately disappointed because he felt he'd have an mm-hmm. opportunity to fight himself out of the situation he was in. If you are Rosenstriker or if you are a fighter who feels like they've gotten an early stoppage, how does that affect you, D.C., especially in a sport where when you are trying to fight your way back into championship contenders or championship contention, one loss could be huge and dropping you down the ranks and keeping you from getting that opportunity to fight for the belt.
0: It's massive. It's, it's massive. The stakes are huge every time you go out there because— The reality is every single fight matters and means so much. It's like you don't have time to build into anything. It ain't an 82-game NBA season. It's not 17 uh, games now or 18 games in the NFL. So it's like you you really got to be ready to go and win right now every time. But the thing is, a lot of times fighters have to take responsibility also for putting themselves in that situation. Because for as good as Rosenstrike is, he seemed a little cautious. He was a little slow to start the fight. So a little bit of that is on the athlete also. It's not just on the official. Because it is a very, very difficult job. And I mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I'm having to kind of watch myself on. Is that you have got to, to be uh, aware and really present in knowing that these are human beings. And Herb Dean is... Making a decision on the fly, watching one guy get hit by another dude that's six foot seven. Mm-hmm. Big, huge dude in Volkov that's six seven, and he's battering him around the side of the octagon. So it's hard to say, well, it was unwarranted, but it's always the visual of after the fight is stopped when the guy jumps up and he starts running around and he wants to like make it seem like he wasn't necessarily hurt. Um, so that's what happened with Rosenstrike. But when you look at Alexander Volkov, right? He always seems to put himself back on the fringe of being a contender because when he gets into the high-profile spots, he has seemed to falter. But what does this fight do with Volkov winning over Rosa Strike?
1: Well, you know what's, the, what's the, the, the good thing for Alexander Volkov? He got in a fight with another striker. We, like, we saw him in London against Tom Aspinall, and he was truly dominated in that fight, DC. And I think not only does it matter – that fighters lose. I think the way in which you lose is also something that the the, the rankings or something that the matchmakers pay attention to. And to lose to Tom Aspinall in that way, in convincing fashion, in a submission in London, he needed to come back and show that he's a guy that can fight some of the top five guys and be a contender. And I think he's put himself back in that conversation with an emphatic knockout win over Zardino um, Rosenstrike. But we also have to thank DC Where does he fit into the heavyweight rankings or into the heavyweight championship belt um, picture when we've just seen him lose to a guy like Tom Aspinall who will fight Curtis Blades here going in the future? Does he deserve a top five, Alexander Volkov that is, a top five, top six fight after this win over Biggie Boy?
0: You know, the crazy thing about Volkov is, He's been on the cusp so many times. You know when when he was beating up Derek Lewis in 2018 Mm -hmm. and then Derek knocked him out the very end and then Derek fought me for the belt? That was supposed to be Volkov. If he had continued to win, he won 13 minutes and 55 seconds of that fight and Derek knocked him out. Maybe 14 and a half. But he's always kind of come up a little bit short in those massive moments. I don't know what's going to happen to and what happens for him going into this this winning this fight, I don't know if it puts him right back because now you're finally starting to see new names at the top of the heavyweight division. He's one of those guys that since coming over from Bellator, he's always kind of hung around the top. So he doesn't really that that win. I don't feel warrants him jumping back up too much because if you looked at the the billboard from a little bit ago, Biggie Boy has been struggling a little bit yeah. since he initially burst onto the UFC scene and really uh, made a statement in his mm-hmm. in his debuts. But now he's been struggling, so it's a little bit difficult to propel him too far when he beats a guy like Rosenstrike. But honestly, Ryan, on Saturday night, that was a great fight. That was a big win for Volkov. But you know who I was most impressed with? I was most impressed with uh, Mosvar Ivloyev. The guy was, I mean, 16-0 now, 6-0 in the UFC. And most importantly, he beats Dan Ige. Right? And yeah. We have seen Dan Ige, a yes. very tough hung around the top that has made it all the way up to Calvin Cater, was on the short list of of uh, of title contention for a little bit. But he got beat. Now he finds himself fighting against Evloev, who beats him in a way that we don't see with Dan Ige. So my question for you is the excitement when you start to see these young prospects yeah. start to pop in and make themselves known to these divisions. And I'm not talking about just him. I'm talking about him at the forefront, but everybody in the game right now that seem to be making that push towards beating these longtime veterans. Well, you know, we
1: we always have the gatekeeper conversation, right, D.C.? And you always Mm -hmm. say, you know, you don't want to put yourself in that position but we're seeing some of these young fighters get those opportunities against the gate the gatekeepers like we saw Evloev uh, do this weekend and it was dominating the The wrestling the grappling uh, was dominating the physicality in which he fought with on his feet as well I thought helped him mm-hmm. to win that fight in convincing fashion and I also love the way he chose to use his call out opportunity to call out a guy like Arnold mm-hmm. Allen who had just beaten uh, he just beat what Dan Hooker Right And and and, and yep. Dan Hooker moved back down to 145. So to get those two young guys with an opportunity to face off con- contrasting styles, contrasting techniques, but both very young, very exciting fighters, I think that's where these divisions are moving to. And we're seeing mm-hmm. some of the old heads, I'll call them the older heads, that's not call them old heads. <laughs> we're seeing them get yeah, opportunities yeah. to face these young, explosive mixed martial artists. And some of that Some of that energy, some of that youth, some of that strength, that explosion is winning out. But I do have to pay some bills first, DC. So you chill out over there in Singapore, man. I know you laid around in your bed on the plane for 17 weeks. but
0: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance
2: Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: I love YouTube TV. I got to be honest. I got it in my crib. I got cable. I'm, I'm one of them dudes that like TV so much that I'm you paying got for all kind of stuff that I don't even need to be paying for. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. I got to do better, man. Hey. I need to do something to get rid of some of these reoccurring bills I got. <laughs>
1: well, I'll tell you what, DC. Another thing that you're going to be streaming uh, is ESPN Plus, and you'll get an opportunity for UFC 275 there. And we get to see a light heavyweight battle for the belt with Glover Teixeira and you and uh, Yuri Prohaska. Listen, this is a fight, D.C., that if if you're Glover Teixeira and you're getting your opportunity to defend your belt for the first time, this is a dangerous man. This is a man that is explosive on his feet. He has strikes that can end the fight at any time. What are you most excited about in seeing Glover defend his belt for the very first time?
0: I'm excited to see how he, he deals with the puzzle of uh, Prochka, right? is different. Prochka come out there. He throws everything at you. He's got that weird haircut. He's just a little (laughs) bit of a different cat. And he has burst on the scene now. That's the thing, man. It's like we don't have 10 years, five years Mm -hmm. of research on Yuri Prohochka because he's been doing a lot of his work overseas. But what we have seen from Yuri is that he has handled great wrestlers before. He beat my boy Muhammad Lawal, King Mo, uh, back in Russia before he came over. He has fought many good wrestlers before and beaten them. But he has not fought a guy like Glover. The one thing about Glover to share is with the experience is so much knowledge, right? There's so much knowledge in the experiences, even if at times they didn't go his way. So when he got beat by Jones in his first title fight after winning 18 in a row, getting beat by Gustafson in the way that he did, having to deal with Rumble Johnson where he got beat and deal with all those disappointments that all allowed for him to rebuild himself Set his focus on becoming the champion. And look at him today. Glover Teixeira, what he did to Jan Bohovic. that was not a competitive fight. Right. We had just seen Jan Bohovic beat Israel Adesanya. Mm-hmm. So he's he's a tough fight for Yuri, as Yuri is a tough fight for Glover. But for as dangerous as this fight is for Glover Teixeira, immediately after he won the belt, RC, he went right to the back, told Yuri, you're the next guy, you get the title fight. Hats off to Glover for stepping up to that challenge. It's going to be a tough
1: Yeah, I I think it's going to be an extremely tough fight, but it is really cool to watch a fighter like Glover Teixeira continue to improve, continue to get better, and finally get over that hump. You mentioned some of those big names that he had an opportunity to fight on the way to this destination. The journey wasn't always one that he was putting one foot in front of the other and continuing to ascend up the ladder. He had his adversity, he had his losses, and now he's the champion. When you look at how he's improved DC and, and is now the champion, I have a question for you. For so long, the light heavyweights were ruled by two men, John Jones and then Daniel Cormier. And are we looking at a light heavyweight division that is better because they don't have that long-standing champion, um, or is this a division that you believe is down, and that's why Glover Teixeira can now be the champion?
0: I don't think it's down. I, I think that what Glover has done has been uh, just tremendous. And as you spoke to his journey, RC, that's why so many people were happy for him when it happened. It wasn't a knock on Jan Behovich, right? I remember doing the show after he won the belt, and you were smiling ear to ear because you were so happy for a good guy that finally made it to the top. And that was the the, the sentiment across all the mixed martial arts because of who Glover Teixeira is. But I don't think that it's because the division's weaker. I think that is just a matter of not having that dominant champion that is recognizable. You know, I t- we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I believe in the dominant champion. I believe mm-hmm. in the long-reigning guy. I believe in the guy becoming the face of a division, the Israel Adesanya, Kamaru Usman, the Anderson Silva. Uh, I believe in that. I think that it opens more opportunities to elevate the sport, and I think Glover can do that. But now Glover becomes a champ. He's on the cusp of, on the verge of his first defense And he starts talking about the end game. Yeah. He starts talking about, you know, it's almost over. I got a couple more in me. I don't know what brought that about. And I always question fighters when they start to look at the finish line Mm -hmm. before. I also question all athletes, right? Football players. When they start going, I'm pretty much done. I don't think it's the best. But here's the question. When you start thinking of Glover at his age saying, maybe I'm getting close to the end. What does that let you know? Does that make your ears perk up like, oh, my goodness, this is not good from an outsider's perspective? Or do you kind of go, you know what, man, we just know when the time's the time?
1: Yeah, I think think that's what I feel more than anything, DC. Both of us are retired athletes. Neither one of us can Mm -hmm. do what we used to do for a living. I mean, that's why we have so much fun doing this podcast because we know we can't do what made us the money we can't do what got us here and I think we know when the end is coming I tell people all the time I retired in November of my last season it didn't take me until February to know like you could feel it coming I knew it was too hard to get to Sundays or to get to Monday nights and I didn't think that the reward was worth the fight it took all week to be prepared I think Glover is starting to see that whether you're the champion or not at 42 dc you feel the bumps you feel the bruises you feel the toll that this sport or that your sport takes on your entire physical being and then not to mention the emotional and the mental grueling task of being up to fight the way that he has his entire life and so i think glover is just starting to realize you know what I'm closer to the end than I am the middle or the beginning. And that can be a good thing because now I think it takes away the fear. It takes away the fear of will I ever Mm. win a championship? Will I ever get to the point to where I reach the pinnacle of this sport? Because I have reached it and I reached it at 42. And so now if I do lose to a young guy like Yuri or someone else does take the belt, I can sail off into the sunset knowing I got what I needed, and I accomplished my goal. My question to you is, though, DC, with all of these things we're saying about Glover Teixeira, the way that he's continued to improve, finally reaching the mountaintop, how does Yuri Prochaska knock him off the top of that mountain? How does he win?
0: You know, it, it, it's it's a tough fight, Ryan. And the more I look into the fight, I realize that it is a tougher fight than maybe many originally thought it was for Yuri. Matchup, you start going, why would Glover fight that dude? That dude's so good. He's so dangerous. But when you look at the the Vulcan Uzdemir fight, mm-hmm. Vulcan had moments against Yuri. When you look at the Dominic Reyes fight, guys, Dominic Reyes, Dominic Reyes was not getting destroyed. Dominic Reyes was having moments. Dominic Reyes was having success, but then all you can remember is that spinning back elbow that yes. ends the fight. And it resonates so strongly that you forget about everything that led up to that point. There were many moments in that fight in which Dominic Reyes was doing really good. So for Yuri Prohotchka, he has to stay solid. He has to go forward. He has to be diverse and he has to be tricky in there with Glover Teixeira. And he has got to defend because the one thing you don't want is Glover Teixeira on top of you early in the fight, dry because he's super heavy. If you look at Glover, his bottom half is huge. Right, He's got big old legs, he's got a big old ass. And he gets on top of you and he rides you and he hey, works you on, he works you over on DC, the ground. DC, DC. So only like you. you not like Glover taking out early. Pause. DC, actually.
1: DC. Pause, please guard, pause that. Pause. Hey, only you would say a man has big legs, a big butt and if he gets you on the ground, he's going to ride you like only you. Oh my god!
2: Only you.
1: Hey, only you, bro, would say that. I was like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? I hope he doesn't coach his <laughs> wrestling kids like
0: this. <laughs> <laughs> it's exact, but bro, it, it's a, it's the most true thing though. He gets on top, he floats the position, he just he he really rides. Like you get on top, and he's like, run! He's riding you like a horse. I mean, whatever. Shut guys,
1: hey, this Pause. is hey, this is like a time we just need corporate Jake to come on the show, man, and just get our lives together <laughs> in a much better way. But but also too, also too, this weekend, along with Valentina uh, Shevchenko, we get a rematch of, at least to me, one of the greatest fights in UFC history. Uh, Joanna is back. We'll get to see her against Zhang Weili. I remember watching this and 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 getting to the end of the fight, and even though. Johanna, Johanna is, like, unrecognizable by the end of this fight. <laughs> she stood toe-to-toe. They stood in the middle of the octagon and just flat-out went at it, DC. I'm so nervous that I'm too excited for the rematch, that I'm going to be expecting yep. the fireworks mm-hmm. that we saw the first time and that we won't get them, that that, that we'll get two fighters who understand how dangerous their opponent is, and they sit back and they fight a little smarter or they fight more cautious. What are you expecting from these two great former champions?
0: You know, very rarely does the rematch live up to the original, especially when the original is that explosive. Think Jurassic Park. And then getting into Jurassic <laughs> Bro, Park. Bro, you do dude, that every time. Why do you hate Jurassic terrible. Park so much? <laughs> hey, I love Jurassic Park. But I'm just saying as a, re- as, a as a sequel, that was the worst <laughs> sequel of all time. Anyways, um, so I, I did a detail on this fight, right? Because it was so good. And as you spoke to, there, it, it was it was the ebbs and flows of the fight. It was so even. It was so well matched. But there has to be adjustments. Now, on Jacek has been away for a long time. And she's been doing a lot of business outside of the octagon. Zhang Wei Li has been fighting. Zhang Wei Li has been in there with the best of the world. But here's the problem: Joanna has been able to go back and make the adjustments because there are things that she does over and over. Ryan, as she became the champion, as she became the boogie woman, she did things over and over, and Zhang Wei Li was able to counter those things so beautifully. Joanna mm. does a great job with a front kick every time. Wei Li would, would move it off to the side with the left hand, blast it with the right hand. The right. That's why she ended up getting the hematoma. She has to change that. She cannot fight in that pattern anymore. Or Zhang Wei Li going to just do the same thing. Now, we know when you look at Wei Li, she is the most athletically gifted fighter across all female fighting. And I don't doubt that for a second, even if she's lost. No one has more athletic ability than Zhang Wei Li. This is an evenly matched fight. It's a great fight. It's going to come down to adjustments, though. If Joanna Jacek can make the adjustments, if she can do in the dark what was necessary, it will give her an opportunity, especially with Carlos Spars as the champion right now, mm-hmm. because it could not be better for Joanna Jacek or Zhang Wei Li having a new champion atop to this division. Yeah, you know, you, you
1: look at, at this division, I think what we got to see. In Phoenix, Arizona, changed the entire landscape. And I don't just mean because <laughs> the championship belt switched over to call Air Sparza. I mean I think people perked up and said, okay, I can beat her. Right? If if you're Joanna, Your you are, you've already beaten her. And so I think that the the excitement of this division has now changed. And that's why this fight is so important. But I, I think back to to football players, uh, DC, who have these These collisions over and over again, whether you're a running back that's continuously continuously hit or you're a safety or a linebacker that's continually having to take on players in the hole, it changes who you are, right? After Mm. a while, it wears on you. If you're a fighter and you're in the type of war that we saw these two women in the first time, how does that change you as a fighter? Or can it or does it change you?
0: You need time. You need time, Ryan. Now, and I'm speaking from experience, right? One of the most tough and difficult fights I ever had to go through was against Alexander Gustafson. That was in October. I didn't come back until July. I was like, I need time because you are much more aware of who you are and your, honestly, mortality in the octagon after a fight like that. You're just like, man, that went, that was dark. It gets really, really dark when you're in there with a person that is as 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 tough and as gritty and honestly is as stubborn about victory, right? Not everybody's as stubborn. I think a lot of times that's what it boils down to. You you, you get into these these the dog days, the dog, the dog moments of the fight, and you being stubborn saying, This is my victory is what's gonna carry you. And when you get in there with someone that's just as stubborn, that's just as good, you really need time. And Joanna has taken time. Zhang Wei Li hasn't though. She's been active because she feels like she is still the best in the division. Obviously, she went on to become champion uh, after beating Joanna. Uh, so it's it's it, it it does change you. It makes you very aware of who you are, of your 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 life. Honestly, inside the octagon, it makes you feel mortal whenever you're yeah. in there you're bloody you're all beat up uh luckily uh i was able to win but i don't know what it would feel like if you go through that and you get beat so mm-hmm. Ioannia and j got beat and had to deal with all the swelling the 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 yeah. her head looked like hasim Rockman, bro it was crazy
1: yeah you know, you know what's the the, the the crazy thing though is you you think back to that fight and her forehead is like the lasting memory of 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 what that fight was of of how brutal it was of how violent it was of how hotly contested it was and you mentioned mortality right you mentioned that your 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 fighting mortality comes to the forefront whenever you go through a war like that someone who honestly seems almost immortal immortal in the cage <laughs> is valentina shevchenko like like truly like we've seen her look mortal two times inside the octagon, and that was fighting Amanda Nunes. And those were the two mm-hmm. most you know, highly contested fights we'd seen Amanda Nunes in as a champion, at least until she was beaten by Juliana Pena. She is ultimately dominant, right, at 125. Is her dominance, though, DC, or how does her dominance affect the sport? Is it good for the UFC? Is it good for mixed martial arts that... Let's be honest, very few of her championship defensive defenses have even been competitive.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I I am a proponent of the long reigning champion. I think that it's better to have someone that sits atop the world for a while. I mean, and I point back to boxing, maybe I'm making a bad uh I'm making a bad comparison because I think back to Mike and and Lennox and Floyd and Canelo. and, And everybody recognized them as the best. And I think that's what you get with Valentina Shevchenko. She is the most dominant fighter in the UFC. I mean, Habib was, obviously. And I know it's a cheap plug at Habib. But since he's gone, there's no one like the bullet. She is the most difficult challenge for anyone in the division. But I do believe that this weekend... Is going to be one of the toughest fights that she's had. Ryan, let me tell you something about this woman, man. This woman, bro, is an absolute killer. We had a press conference in Los Angeles a few years ago, and we're all going through security. Bro, she walked in and she had like a half shirt. You know how she's all ripped? Yeah. Bro, she walked through security with a knife, son. She had a knife (laughs) in her pants. She had a knife on her hip when she went to the thing. I was like, wait, is that a knife? Bro, Valentina Shevchenko had a knife, bro. It was just on her hip. But I think everybody was so like focused on their abs that nobody recognized she went through a metal detector with a freaking knife on her hip. Dude, she's a savage. She's an absolute savage. I love the bullet. Hey, I'll tell you what.
1: I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight her. Period. But especially if she got a weapon, because there is no chance to. There's no chance to beat her. But do you think, uh, or do we, D.C., see an upset this weekend of Valentina Shevchenko? Do you think that's even possible?
0: You know, Taya Santos has really showed an ability to beat just about anyone. Just about anyone. He's fought good fighters to this point and looked v- relatively dominant. So when you look at Santos and her skills, her size, bro, she's big. She looks like one of the women that if she needed to, she could fight at 135 pounds. And with Amanda Nunes, that was part of the reason that Valentina struggled. But Santos is very well-rounded. She's so good on the ground. You know, when she fought uh, Jillian Robertson, she fought Jillian Robertson. And she was able to dominate her on the ground. And that's what Jillian was known for. Yes, She's been able to beat people on the feet that are known for stand-up. She is truly a special talent. She lives in a world where Valentina lives, though. So in those moments, you got to level up if you're going to get that victory. You know, you talk about your best friend now, Juliana Pena, right? She leveled up to beat Amanda Nunes. She uh-huh. knew it would be difficult. And so she leveled up to go and get her. That is what Santos will have to do if she hopes to get a victory this weekend and become the UFC flyweight champion.
1: Well, you know, we just, when you think about dominant champions, especially currently in the sport, Valentina Shevchenko is one of those that comes to mind immediately. But since we're talking about dominant champions, D.C., Mm -hmm. we're going to do a list. I'm going to ask you to not cheat, D.C., because I'm the dominant (laughs) champion, champion of list on this show. So, since you okay. had to take the long flight, you're over there working very hard. I'm gonna let you go first, DC. Do not cheat, bro. Please. I'm not five, bro. I'm not
0: cheating. Listen, listen. <laughs> I'm not cheating. But here's the question, though. Are we in combat sports history or just sports? Because sports I had two lists last time. Sports so, history. In sports history. Okay. At number five, undefeated, 50 and 0, Floyd Money Mayweather. Okay. Dominant. I mean, beat everybody. The reason Floyd's so low, though, is because people at times accused him of cherry-picking fights. Fighting Canelo when he wasn't ready, doing those types of things, is why I put Floyd way down at number five. Number four, Serena Williams. When Serena Williams was on her game, when Serena Williams was at the top of the world, nobody could compete. She was winning the Grand Slam as if it was something normal to do. And winning a Grand Slam is once in a lifetime if you're lucky. Serena was doing it like it was just another day in the park. At number three, I'm going with Jordan. 6-0, six finals. Okay. Jordan at number three. Yeah, Jordan's a man, right? Every time he got to the championship, he won the championship. But let's not forget, and this is one of my biggest arguments with everyone that always argues Jordan, That Jordan didn't play in the NBA for six years. Jordan played many more years, and there were years in which Michael Jordan lost. But every time he got to the finals, he won. Jordan at number three. Why? At why two, you got Why are
1: you hating? Right? Why are you hating? I'm not
0: hating on Jordan. I say love good Jordan. things. I'm not, dude. I love Jordan. I'm just saying though because that's the argument with everybody, bro. Anytime I try to say something like, "Hey man, LeBron's getting pretty close," I'm like, guys, listen to me. He there, Jordan played more than six champions, more than six seasons in the NBA. We cannot ignore that. At number two, please let me finish. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. What, dude? He changed the game. He changed golf. Nobody watched golf before until Tiger Woods became that guy. We played Tiger Woods PGA Tour. You did everything to be in the Tiger Woods business. 16 major championships. Guy just wins. And even at his age now, after life-threatening accidents, Tiger Woods comes back. We all still tune in, hoping for that day where he looks like the guy that we recognize. And at number one is Brady. Seven Super Bowl championships, unheard of man. Nobody wins seven Super Bowls. Brady did and uh, Brady's number one. I don't want to make Brady number one. I really don't want to make Brady number one but his dominance has been uh, uh, second to to none.
1: (laughs) Well here's what I'm going to say DC that's actually a very good list I I normally would hate on your list if it was a bad list (laughs) but it's actually an excellent list. It's probably going to be the second best list we hear on this show today. Because so I, I, I can't okay, really disagree on. much. Now, I have a change at number five from what you have at number five. Uh-huh. At number five, I'm going to go mm. Michael Phelps. I think what, what Michael mm. Phelps did for, for swimming, at least for me, was much like what you see with Tiger Woods. Now, D.C., I can't even float. I can barely tread water. I can swim <laughs> enough to stay alive. And so to see him be as dominant year after year after year. And I think the one thing that amazes me about Olympic athletes is this. You only get every four years, right? And and if you're not on your game in that fourth year, if you're not at your peak, you don't get Olympic gold. And so for him to be as dominant dominant as he was over that time period, to me is amazing. At number four, I did go Floyd Mayweather. Um, I agree with you. The, the record speaks for, for itself, and I do understand that people say he cherry-picked a little bit, but the bottom line is this, and you are a combat sports hall of famer, DC. You know it takes one punch, and in your sport, it t- yep. takes one kick, one submission, one anything, and you lose. The 50 people they put him in there against or he chose to go in there against, he beat them all. You cannot take that away from him. And number three, I'm actually going to go with your number one, and I'm saying Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady is the GOAT of the NFL. He's the GOAT of football. He's the greatest quarterback to have ever played. The greatest career we will ever see. Not we have ever seen. We will ever see in football. To come back now at 45, and for people like me, for people like Daniel Cormier that love the sport of football, to still know that this dude is good enough to win a championship. This dude at this age is the Randy Couture of football. He can (laughs) win it at 45, right? At number two, I went Michael Jordan. Yes, D.C., I hear the bull stuff. You're saying, oh, he he, he played 13 years, D.C., in Chicago. I don't, count yeah. the, I don't count the Wizard days. He played 13 years you gotta in Chicago. You got
0: to count the Washington days. you gotta You, you got to count the Washington he days. He
1: was an owner, bro. A it doesn't
0: owner. matter. He averaged over 20 points a game. He averaged 20 points a game in the NBA.
1: D.C., that just speaks to his greatness, but we can't count that against his championships 13 years in Chicago, the man won six championships. That's D.C. He dang near won a championship every other year when you look at it. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. count Mm -hmm. those against Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan, number two. And my number one, I think, was actually maybe your number four. I can't remember it. Was Serena Williams Mm -hmm. and is Serena Williams. Uh, To me, the Mm -hmm. most dominant tennis player of all time. Um, And it's not only how often she won it's in the ways that she won, in the ways that she changed our perspectives of what tennis greats can be and can look like and can play mm-hmm. and the power in which she played with. We also have to remember Serena and Venus's dominance as doubles partners as well. Yep, I think Serena yep, yep. Williams redefined what a tennis championship or championship player looked like and behaved and I think for me, that's why she's number one.
0: Can we can we agree on like a number six uh, Usain Bolt? Like neither one yep. of us put Usain Bolt, which is yep. actually crazy. I just thought about but the, the whole, moment you brought up Michael Phelps. I started thinking about Usain Bolt. I was like, man,
1: but but they say that's the other thing, though. Like you look at how dominant he was, the the records, you know, he was able to break. He still didn't do that over as long of a period as Michael Phelps. And that's where it gets really hard when we're talking about these Olympic athletes. Think about Simone Biles, mm-hmm. right? So, Simone Biles yeah, she... now has moves named after her, right? They started to judge her differently when it came to events. In gymnastics. And so I think when we are talking about some of these individual athletes, when you look at guys like, you know, like yourself, you even think about Kamaro Uzman and what he's starting to do, you know, at welterweight, what John Jones was able to do, it's so hard to really just pick five dominant champions, especially when you bring in team sports as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When you start to list that, because there have been so many great athletes around the sports world. That just making that list is fun because it allows you to kind of go into things that we don't talk about normally on the show. But Ryan, I got I got a bill to pay too. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) as you paid a bill a second ago, it's time for me to pay a bill. (laughs) And guys, guess what? When When you're about to have sex, isn't it all about confidence? Sometimes it's stress, anxiety, or a bad day can affect your performance and ruin fun for both of you. Well, it's Bluetooth to the rescue. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. Because Blue Chew is an online prescription service, there are no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers and once you're approved you'll receive your prescription within days the best part it's all done online bluetooth licensed medical pre- providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strengthen for your and strength for your prescription don't like swallowing pills no problem ryan bluetooth tablets are chewable bluetooth tablets are made in the united states and they're prepared and they ship direct so it's cheaper than a pharmacy and here's a special deal for our listeners Try Blue Chew free. When you, when you use our promo DC at checkout, you'll pay only $5 shipping. That's bluetooth.com promo code DC to receive your first month free. Ryan Clark, Blue Chew hooking up these dudes. I'm going to say this right now, y'all. I don't really. You know what I'm saying, I don't really. Mean? I, I like Blue Chew, you know? <laughs>
1: Bro, I am not. Hey, you are on one today, dog. We cannot let you get on a plane for 17 hours ever again. I am so through with you right now. Corporate Jake, please. Corporate Jake, please, let's tap in and tap out, man. All
2: right, guys. All right, guys, a big discussion following UFC 274 was in regards to the scales. Dustin Poirier has come out and said the UFC needs to change all scales to solely digital. So, DC, tap in or tap out on UFC moving to digital scales only.
0: Tap in. This makes no sense that they're not using digital sc- scales yet. Because that, that doctor scale can be messed with one way or the other, right? Like, you can either move it lighter or you could move it heavier. A doctor scale is too uh, inconsistent in that type of situation. But I do understand why they do it, right? I understand the visual because look at it, right? We've seen this the entirety of our lives. Mm -hmm. When fighters step on the scale, they flex their muscle, and you got the scale right in front of them. So I get the visual, but it's not necessary in today's world. Get a digital scale.
1: Now I agree. I I tap in on the scales going digital. And I think also we have to look at where – where a lot of these guys try to weigh themselves before the weigh-in to know if they've cut the right amount of weight. A lot of those scales are digital as well, and you want those things to be able to match up. It's much easier, and I believe it takes out the human aspect of what these scales now do when we have to make sure it's balanced out. I think, to me, that's the easiest way to do it. It's the surest way to do it, and there's too much riding on these fights for anything to be left for chance.
2: Alright guys, last week, former UFC lightweight Paul Felder said that Benil Dariush is the biggest threat at 155 for Charles Oliveira due to Benil's different kind of grappling. RC, tap in or tap out on Dariush being the top threat to Dobronx.
1: You know why I'ma tap in? Cause I know what DC is gonna say. I tap all the way in on this. We gotta stop trying to rush Islam Makhachev to the opportunity to fight for a championship just because he shook DC's hand and he's friends with Khabib. That's right. I'm going in. Me and Felder already know it. Benil Dari- Dariush is the biggest threat at 155 right now to Charles Dubronx.
0: I said it, DC. I love Benny D. I love Benny D. I love Benil Dariush. I really do. But that's that's asinine. It's absurd. This dude is Paul Felder has now tried to become too smart for his own good. Paul Felder's smart. But Paul Paul now, at this point, Paul Felder has now actually outwitted himself by saying <laughs> that. Then maybe he was just talking and he didn't realize what he was saying and he went too far down the path to bring it back. But the biggest threat to Charles Oliveira is Islam Makashev. Because, and I will tell you what my jiu-jitsu coach told me. He goes, if Islam and all those guys went to Abu Dhabi, ADCC, all those things that Charles does so well at, they would all do well. They would all place. They would all medal. They may even win. These guys are fantastic grapplers. Islam is the greatest and the biggest threat. Corporate Jake, let's not waste any more time on nonsense. Jake, no more nonsense, please. That's a great question. No nonsense.
2: Great question, Jake. Okay, okay. A top 10 banweight matchup between Marlon Vera and Dominic Cruz seems to be in the works for later this summer. Vera is coming off a main event victory while Cruz is riding a two-fight win streak. DC, tap in or tap out on Cheeto Vera versus Dominic Cruz?
0: I think it's a I think I tap in. It's a good fight. It's it's time to see if Cheeto Vera can truly make his way into title contention by beating Dominic Cruz. And if he doesn't, uh, with Cheeto at number five and Dominic getting a win, now the former champion starts to make his way back into a title fight. It is crazy to me that Dominic Cruz, for all that he's accomplished, is not more in the conversation at Bantamweight right now. I get it. He's 37 years old, but I he's 24 and 4. And a lot of those years that Dominic Cruz uh, have in his life, Weren't spit competing. He was injured. He's finally been healthy for an extended period of time, and now he's ready to make a run. So, yes, fight. And if Dominic wins, he should get back into the conversation.
1: No, I agree. This is a fight that's going to be exciting. Everybody always understands when a Dominique Cruz fights happen. we know we're going to see that awkward style, that style that's so hard to catch up to. And now we're watching Marlon Vera continue to ascend up the ranks and to beat a guy that was a former champion and a dominant fighter in the UFC will set either one of these two guys up to make a run at the championship right now. And no matter what Dominique Cruz's age is, if you can still get in there and you can still compete with the top five fighters in a division, you deserve a chance to continue to move forward towards a championship bout.
2: All right, guys. Greg Hardy has announced that he is set to make his professional boxing debut later this fall after having a rather unsuccessful run in the UFC. So, RC, tap in or tap out on Hardy turning to a potential boxing career?
1: Um, I tap out on it. Um, I, and, and I tap out because Greg Hardy wasn't consistently getting submitted. Greg Hardy wasn't getting out-wrestled in the UFC. People was making him go night-night. And if you think that, if, if you thought it was hard to beat, you know, some of these UFC fighters on their feet, what are you going to do when you're fighting people who only fight on their feet and have been doing it for an extended period of time? So I tap out on this all the way out.
0: Yo, I'm, hey, dog, you have never been so right. Right. You've never been you've never been so right. Like I was actually going to say the same thing. So I, I tap in because boxing's very difficult. But the one thing that he does have, though, is that he is a very powerful guy. Yeah. So if he can land, maybe he can put you out. But the reality is these guys are so skilled in the boxing ring. It's going to be difficult for him to uh, it's gonna be very difficult for him to catch up to these guys.
2: All right, guys. One more. Monday morning, RC took to Twitter for what maybe is his hottest take to date, tweeting, Jake. "Chris Brown is more talented Jake, than Michael I said Jackson." No nonsense. There, I said it. So, DC, tap Jake. in or tap out on RC's hot take.
0: Jake, <laughs> I told you no nonsense, Jake. Jake, I told you no nonsense. Ryan Clark has lost his mind. Look, man, it, it, this is one of those Paul Felder situations, and I don't really get those vibes from Ryan. Where you start to type something. And then all of a sudden, you're like, maybe I shouldn't send the tweet. Should I press tweet? And then Ryan hit tweet. And then he goes and double downs on it. He goes and double downs on it, puts a video of Chris Brown dancing. And I'm thinking to myself, he might actually believe this. But here's the problem. This is a bit of a recency bias here. We have not seen Michael Jackson. We have Michael Jackson's been gone for a while. So he has not seen Michael Jackson For a long time, he forgets the greatness. It's so crazy how a guy like Ryan Clark, on one hand, can always hold Michael Jordan up so high, but then on the other hand, put down another one of the greats, the greatest entertainer of all time. It is not close. I tap out, and Ryan Clark has lost his mind. I tap in, and
1: here is what I'm going to do for you, DC. I'm going to explain it to you, and after I explain it to you, you're actually going to agree. I believe that (laughs) Michael Jackson is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. We will never see another entertainer take over the world the way that Michael Jackson did. Never see one have the career. I am simply speaking about talent. I'm simply speaking about skills. There is nothing. Let me repeat it again. There is nothing that Michael Jackson can do or could do that Chris Brown can't. You want Michael Jackson to sing? Chris Brown can sing. You want Michael Jackson to dance? Chris Brown can dance. You think Michael You think Chris Brown can't go remake The Thriller video? He can't do that choreography and crush it? Come on. Now, I ask you this though, DC. Here is what I ask you. You ever seen Michael Jackson play basketball? Chris Brown could play basketball. Have you did you ever see did you ever see Michael Jackson while he was dancing flip be acrobatic? Chris Brown can do that. We ever see Michael Jackson paint? Chris Brown can paint. You ever hear Michael Jackson rap? Yeah, rap was out oh God, while God, Michael's God old. Chris one. Brown can rap. Michael he Jackson just, can't he do he none just, of those things. Is, no. You is are, Michael, you are, hey, bro, you are. <laughs> D.C., Michael Jackson is Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. You know who I think is more talented than Tom Brady? Aaron Rodgers. And I'm right. This is the same thing. <laughs>
0: Michael Jackson no. is the
1: GOAT. Chris Brown is more good. talented.
0: The end. But you to talking about basketball. you talk about basketball and all kind of other stuff. I don't agree. I really don't. I still don't agree because I think it's asinine. You're ridiculous. You know what's crazy? I was actually going to say this Saturday on SportsCenter, they had you up there. The Some of the Clark is out there. You saw you say, hey, man, I don't belong up there with the rest of these mugs talking about fights. Well, I was going to say, you know what, Ryan, you do. But then you go out and you say some crazy stuff like this. And now I'm taking all your credit, all your cred back. All your your UFC cred, your street cred, your your, your pop cred, your hip-hop cred. Everything's gone after you say some stuff like that, man. It's ridiculous. D.C., it's the truth. It's it's
1: the bottom line truth, D.C. You cannot let the Hall of Fame go to your head and not hear your boy out. (laughs) But listen, man, I am glad you you, you were able to get on today. I'm, I'm enjoying New York. I'm having a good time. I can't wait to see you at one of these fights again soon. I'll be there in Vegas in July. Enjoy this weekend, man. Have a great time. Thank y'all for tuning in. I don't even know if the show's about to end yet, D.C., so you can talk for a little bit because I am flabbergasted that you don't know that Chris Brown is more talented than Michael Jackson.
0: Flabbergasted. You're very talented. You're a very talented arguer. Like you you, may have, you, you could have been a lawyer if you had a different job because that me you made some good points. But the reality is, we're talking about entertainment. We aren't talking about playing basketball. We're not talking about all the other stuff. But guys, like Ryan said, every single Tuesday, ESPN, YouTube, everywhere else you get your podcast, you can get brand new episodes of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my guy, Ryan Clark. Enjoying New York City. Man, Keep on shining my brother, keep shining. All love brother.